Welcome to Rethink Retirement, a Next Up podcast. We're looking at how people use their skills in new ways as they move into retirement or unretirement, as we like to call it. I'm Victoria Tomlinson. And I'm Trevor Hatton. Each episode, we invite guests to share their story of leaving traditional working life and starting new things. Well, that's what we normally do, but this time it's a bit different. Today we have with us Andy Briggs, who after a long career, a long illustrious career in the insurance industry, is the group chief executive of Phoenix Group and the UK government's business champion for the ageing society. He describes his role as helping people secure a life of possibilities. And that's very much in line with how we think. So we thought it, occasionally it would be a good idea to invite somebody who works in this space to get a wider understanding of the issues. Welcome, Andy. Hi, Hi. Andy. Good to have you. Great to be here. Andy, you've been looking um, at the group of people that we work with who are aged over 50. I have to say we hate all this age thing, but anyway. But you've been looking at this age group for some years now. What do you think are the issues facing individuals and also employers around this group? It's quite topical, really, at the moment. Yeah, no, absolutely. So, so if, I, if I start, first of all, with the individuals, there's probably two key things I'd, I'd draw out. The first is that um, as um, the, these individuals journey to and through retirement, only 8% of them are getting advice. 92% end up kind of, you know, sort of floundering around, not really understanding the world of pensions, not understanding what, what's going on. And so, and so it's really hard for them to get a good grip on, you know, what, what is their later life going to be like based on how long they work for and, and how much they save. The other element is, is that there's just generally a mindset uh, in the individuals and indeed in businesses that, that sort of people will do what, what they've always done. You know, people often will say, I need to make way for the next generation. And, and I, I, my, my sort of strong view is that, that over 50s are no less able to learn and develop. They're no less creative than, 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 than under 50s. Good work is good for people. And so yeah, very much a question of personal choice, but it will be great if, if we could help the over 50s to broaden their mindsets to the range of possibilities of what they might do. Someone aged 50 has probably got 15, 20 years of working life ahead of them if they want to have a good standard of living in, in, in later life and uh, broaden their mindsets to what they do. So that, that's from an individual perspective. From a business perspective, I think there's two, two key things I'd, I'd draw out. The, the first is... I passionately believe that inclusive and diverse businesses are better businesses. They make better decisions from a broader range of perspectives. They better represent their customers. They better represent their communities and their strong empirical evidence. They perform better. And I would say age diversity is every bit as important in that as gender diversity or ethnic diversity in, in, in a workplace, because over 50% of consumer spending is done by over 50 year olds. But if you haven't got any over 50 year olds in your business, you're not going to represent the, 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 those customer segments and anything like as well. So, so you've got that on the one hand. On the other hand, you know, particularly you know, accelerated by the pandemic, there's been real structural shifts in the employment markets. Uh, and, and many businesses are really struggling to get the skills and capabilities they, they need to, to, to run their businesses get, going forward. And, and what we then focus on, and we can you know, dig, dig into this more in due course, but basically businesses need to focus on how do they retain their over 50s? 
how can they retrain over 50s and how can they recruit over 50s and and, and there are there are challenges in, in all three of those i just want to pick up on something that you said um about passion your passion because just kind of getting away from the commercial world for a, a moment a lot of the people that we talk to are very keen in one form or another to give back when they when they stop working and you know i know that you are a very committed trustee of the nspcc and i know that child safety is is a cause for you a passion for you but what we found is people kind of struggle to engage with charities they they often write to them and don't hear back but clearly people have a lot to offer um, i i just wonder if you see a gap and and if you have any thoughts about how people can be more effective at, at really volunteering particularly with with well-known charities yeah no, i mean that, that is a, a cause very close to my heart just because I, I passionately believe that little people deserve a decent start in life and sadly all too many don't don't get it yeah and so um i i, I you know i i'm very passionate about that uh, I mean, I, I think one of the critical uh, challenges here, and it applies, you know, to charities, but also applies to, to, to you know, organisations in, in all walks of life, is that that when it comes to you know accessing talent and capability for an organisation, far too many go about it in the way they always have done. So lots of organisations, for example, have an, a recruitment approach that focuses on school leavers. Say, yeah. And and um, and if you focus on school leavers, you're not going to get an age diverse workforce, are you? Yeah. So so um, uh, very often job adverts, for example. I mean, and I you know I see this in in my own organisation and 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 act and change change it there. You know, they'll often be you know the photography will be very gender diverse, and very ethnically diverse, but it'll all be young people, young attractive people smiling. Yeah. And and if you're young, attractive, and smiling, then you think, oh, this is the place for me. But if you're not, then, um, then, then you know, people will tend to be put off as a result. So I, I think that there's you know, that there is a huge opportunity for charities to uh, access um, you know great talent uh, that that can you know do a range of, of roles. And at the NSPCC, we we work very heavily with with volunteers, for example, and uh, both on the fundraising side, but also um, you know we, we run a the school service. So the NSPCC gets into uh, pretty much 80% of schools uh, in, in the UK, primary schools, every other year. Uh, and the, it's volunteers, and the volunteers would typically be, you know, 40, 50 plus year olds uh, volunteering. So, so you know, I would encourage all organisations, charities or others, to, to just stop and think, you know, where, where are the skills and the talent? And a, a huge amount of that is over 50 year olds. So think about where you go to look for that talent and how you go about doing it to, to make sure you attract that 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 that, that talent to, to 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 your organization oh gosh Andy, i mean all the things you're saying it just kind of it, it they're resonating one thing after another with what we're doing at the moment um i do also think there's an issue here when people are writing cold to a charity i can see how you get a letter on your desk you don't know the person you just think this feels too hard work to do that so i think there's something here about facilitating some of those introductions and kind of one of the things we teach people is kind of how to as i'm going to say network but how to use your connections to get things um i i i couldn't agree more that there's such an, a massive need here for both sides to help each other and i was going to ask you about um Recent research shows that we've got 
three quarters of a million people who are aged over 50 left the workforce recently and they haven't returned in recent years. Apparently there's a, a missing quarter of a million people. Do you have any thoughts on that? I'm guessing that COVID accelerated, everyone's talked about the big resignation and things, but have you got any thoughts with why people are leaving the workforce and, and what they're doing or where they are and what we could do with that? Yeah, so, so so I think what for me what's happened is is is, is COVID has just you know very much accelerated a trend that was already happening, which is which is a real structural change in um, in, in employment in the UK in, in the sectors in the nature of roles and how, how they are done, and, and and it seems to me what what's happened is is that um, that that has had a particular impact on the over fifties, um, and, and and it seems to me that that some of those you know three quarters of a million will be choosing, actually, you know what, I'm reappraising uh, life and I'm going to do things differently going forward. And I think provided they've got a decent grasp on their financial position and they understand what that means for their, you know, quality of, 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 of you know, standard living in later life, then, then, then good luck to them. Yeah, that, that, I'm, you know, completely relaxed about that. But, but the reality is for an awful lot of people, it's been these structural changes that meant they've ended up out of work. Many come out of the workforce, um, you know, so, so I'll give you two, two examples. Um, one in five over 50s have significant care responsibilities. The whole area of care has changed quite dramatically through, through COVID. You know, people didn't want to go into care homes. They wanted to stay at home. Uh, and most organisations do not have carer policies. And therefore, those people end up leaving the workforce uh, because they can't cope with caring and with work. If those organisations had paid carer leave, had flexible working, as, as we do at Phoenix Group, what, what you find is far more people be able to you know, handle the two side by side. Uh, and, and even if, if they can't, you know, have them back, well, because sadly, you know, I think the, the typical period you're caring for someone is, is often, you know, six to 12 months, you know, in some cases people get better, in other cases people, people die. Um, but, but it, it, the, the, the group that are least likely to come back to the workforce having left the workforce is over 50s. Yeah. And, and so uh, I, I think there's a, a key element there. And another element is that one in five women end up leaving the workforce as a result of symptoms of the menopause. Yeah. And, uh, and, and again, it's just not talked about in workplaces. And, um, you know, how can organisations uh, um, uh, offer the right sort of support for something that half the population will go through. And uh, um, so, so I think the other area I would draw out here is, is around retraining. So, uh, so much of the focus on retraining is, is around, you know, apprenticeships and the like is around younger people. There's no empirical evidence at all to suggest that over 50s are less able to retrain and learn than, than under 50s. And so, uh, you know, in summary, to, to your question, those that have decided to reappraise what they want to do with their lives and they're confident, they understand their financial affairs and, and, and are, are content with what that means in terms of standard living, good luck to them. But, but for me, the significant majority will, will be they've fallen out of work for a number of reasons and they're the least likely to get back to work, they're the least likely to be offered retraining opportunities. And if businesses want to have the skills and capabilities they need, they're going to need to fish in, in, this, in this pool and they will be a better business for it because they'll be more age diverse as a result.
Great, Andy. Thanks. I, I, <laughs> I couldn't agree more with uh, particularly your points around retraining. You know, it, it's never too late to learn new things. Um, in the intro, I said that you are the UK government's champion for the ageing society. Um, and I just wanted to ask you about that a little bit. I know that one of the ideas that you're um, kicking around is this idea of a kind of MOT uh, for midlife careers. But I wondered if you could just comment on what you think the role of government, um, national and local, is in, in this area. And, and do you think there are other areas, other ideas that, that are worth considering? Yeah, so, so I mean, I, I engage heavily with with, with government. Um, you know, so I was with Mims Davis, the employment minister, yesterday. Regularly catch up with the with Guy Opperman, the pensions and financial inclusion minister, and, and you know, obviously uh, other parts of government as well. That they, they do, a, you know, a lot of great work in this in this space. Um, they actively listen to what uh, you know people like myself in in business are are saying. You know that they really do engage so for example on, on menopause as i say you know it, it, one in five women end up leaving the workforce as a result of the symptoms of menopause uh, and it's not it's not talked about anywhere and, and government have really embraced that that work and uh you know are, are supporting supporting us on on that work um that the midlife mot is another, another example the, the idea is basically aimed at age 45 to 55 it covers three elements. It does cover a kind of wealth element. So, you know, where are you headed in terms of, uh, you know, income in, in, in retirement and what are your options to, to do something about that? But it, all, it also covers health and well-being. You know, all of us know as we sort of get to 50-ish, we start to creak a little bit more. How are you, you going to stay healthy and fit into, into, in, into later life? And then it covers kind of career, as, as I said earlier, you know, a 50-year-old could have 15 to 20 years in the workplace. Don't just do what you've always done. Think about what you'd really like to do in, the, in this next stage of your of your career where, you know, I mean, particularly, again, for, for women, uh, quite often, you know, women are, are trying to manage a career while bringing up young children. You know, for many at age 50, the, the, the demands from children, they, they're, they're still there, but they change. They're often uh, are often different. So, um, you know, what, what do they want to do with that ne next stage of their of their of their career? But, but I would say that, that you know, the, the, the answers here lie primarily with individuals themselves and with businesses. Uh, and, um, and so I think the government support is great, but actually there's so, you know, uh, come back to where I sort of, you know, what I said at the start, if businesses don't embrace over 50s, they won't be as good a business. They won't represent their customers, their communities. They won't have diverse decision making in their organization. And they won't have the skills and capabilities they need, uh, given the labor shortages that we're currently seeing. So um, it's, it's, it's a, it's a, it's a no-brainer for businesses and, and, and something they need to you know, really grasp and get hold of. Yes, uh, that's really interesting what you're saying about ages. Um, I think people talk about the diversity pillars now I'm hearing from employers and it's quite interesting I was talking to one employer who are really great and they are really trying to embrace diversity and they've included age now as one of their pillars but when I was talking to them they said actually what we're doing is really great they said we, we've got age down but we don't actually know what to do with it so I think there's something here about helping people understand all the things you've been talking about Andy actually earlier about recruiting them and really thinking about how the companies are positioning themselves in, in the images. Um, I said earlier on about you're resonating so much. I've recently done a TEDx talk, uh, which is just coming out, and I talked about a generation of wasted talent because I passionately believe the same as you're saying that 
people over 50, I mean, I should put this in context, I'm 66 and I want to work for another 20 or 30 years. And I just don't see a barrier about age. I just think we've got it all wrong there. Um, but what do you think it should look like using this generation of 50 plus? What do you think that could look like? Uh, you've touched on all sorts of things, but, but kind of what should we be doing differently now? Yeah, so, so I think for, you know, let's say, uh, as far as the individuals are concerned, um, yeah, I, I would really encourage people to, to just um, to, to think, you know, what do they want to, uh, uh, you know, what, open their mind to a broad range of possibilities of what they might do with, with uh, you know, with, with the, the next 30, 40 years of their life, yeah, at, at, at that point in time, far too many just are in the mindset of do, do, do what do what I've always done. And, um, and there's a world of possibilities out there as, as to what people could do, and really stop and think what what's, you know, what, what's important to them, you know, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 55, I absolutely love my job. And, and, and in, a, in an environment where, you know, as I say, at Phoenix, we're the UK's largest long term savings and retirement business, when only 8% of the population are getting advice and guidance on the journey to and through retirement, and 92% aren't, right, I, I'm, I'm not done. <laughs> that's, what, that's what we're here to do. And, and uh, um, uh, so I, I love it, and I'll keep it doing it for a, a, a long time yet, provided they have me, which I hope, I hope they will. So, um, yeah, so, but, but I, I do think that 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 mindset is probably the, mo the most the most important thing to, to draw out. Uh, also, Victoria, you, you sort of you, you talked about um, you know uh, having an age pillar in in a, a DNI strategy, but not quite sure what to do with it as a business. For, for me, the, the answer there is, 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 you know, what I would encourage all businesses to do. Firstly, kind of get the data and understand. So one of the things, for example, that I, I look at is um, in a colleague engagement survey, there'll be a question of, you know, do you have a, a conversation with your manager about your development? Yeah. And look at the proportions by age. And what, what you see consistently is it's very common if people in their 20s and 30s, and it's much, much less common for people in their 50s and 60s. Why? Right? Yeah. That's good. So, so, so look at the data and see what's going on. Understand what's going on. But then basically, there are three things to say to, to, to employers to do. The first is retain, retain your over 50s. And that, that is things like flexible working, carers leave, and so on and so forth that, 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 that's key there. The second is when you think about training and development, Think about all of your workforce, apprenticeships, think about all of your workforce, not just the, the, the younger ones. Where are the opportunities to retrain and develop? There's some fantastic examples of that. If you take um, uh, Jaguar Land Rover, for example, they, they have a, uh, you know, a, a, a group of um, uh, you know, now older workers that hand sew the leather seats on the Jaguar cars. Yeah? And, um, and, and what was you know, happening over time is that they were kind of, you know, firstly, you know, the physical demands of that were starting to get you know more challenging for some, but but also they were kind of worried what what happens when um, you know when, when these folk will retire? How are we going to get the seats in our cars done? So they actually took a number of them and trained them to be trainers of the next generation of seat sellers. Yeah, so so um, you know simple stuff, but but thinking about it and, and planning ahead. So the retraining. And then the third, the third is, is recruiting, and we, you know, we touched on it already, but uh, so many organizations recruit where they've always recruited using the adverts, the language, the uh, photography they've always used. You know, stop and think about it. Where, where are 
the, the, the talent pools? Where are the attractive people to recruit? You know, how are you going to get out to them, reach out to them and encourage them to join your organization? And uh, with, with the labor shortages, that becomes particularly, particularly important. You're absolutely right, Andy. Can I ask you, though, um, about Phoenix, about your experience? You and I have worked together a long time ago. <laughs> I, you know, you're almost somebody that would be described as a career veteran yourself. Um, and so you've been in the industry a long time. And I know this is uh, a cause for you that, that, you know, you feel very uh, committed and passionate about. Um, and I kind of, and I hear the, the points you just made about what, what employers can do. I, I kind of wanted to ask you about your experience so far, kind of how it's going, because I'm sure there's more to do. But I see that Phoenix is rebranded and, you know, no doubt you're doing stuff and no doubt you've kind of made some mistakes along the way. I just wonder if you've got, you know, advice for other, other employers based on what you've actually achieved and what, what's left to do. Yeah, so, so I think I think where I'd, I'd sort of start from is 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 our basic philosophy here at Phoenix is is we're a purpose-led organisation and we, we describe our purpose as helping people secure a life of possibilities and that can apply equally to our customers and, and our staff and our, our shareholders. Yeah, and and the way we then think about that is is the very best organisations are purpose-led and and you you basically start with your people and colleagues. You get the very best people a truly inclusive, diverse uh, working environment where people can you know, put all their energy to, into being themselves at work, not someone they think they ought to be. Uh, and they they're, you know, love their work and they're hugely passionate about the difference we can make to the lives of our customers and the contribution we can make to broader society. Because if you get those, those things right, that's the way in which an organization will deliver most for its shareholders. And then you end up creating a virtuous circle. You can invest more into your uh, people and, uh, and, and colleagues and, and capabilities more into your customer propositions and make that virtuous circle run, run ever faster. Uh, and so th that, that's how we approach it. And then everything we do comes off the, the back of that. So the people strategy, um, the business strategy, the customer strategy all, all flows fr fr from that. And uh, I mean, it does mean we're pretty busy. We have a big agenda of, of stuff on the go. It also means that that we, have, you know, we have brilliant talent in our organisation because we are expanding and growing in a number of areas. We're then able to bring in fantastic, you know, best in market external talent because people like the idea of working for a purpose-led organisation. So, so I would say that that's right at the very, the very core of it. But the other bit that's important is you have to kind of put your money where your mouth is. So, so I'll give you a, a specific example. A year ago. 21 of our top 100 leaders were female. Today, 31 of our top 100 leaders are female. So, so you know, we, I, I go, you know, really, I don't get upset about many things, but if I see a shortlist for a senior role that isn't diverse, you know, then the headhunter gets a go to try again. And if they can't manage it a second time, then I'll find another headhunter, yeah, because um, I just insist diverse shortlists and across multiple dimensions. Uh, now, obviously, I'm not satisfied at 31 out of 100 female because last time I looked, the population's 50-50. But, but to go from 21 to 31 in a year, I think, you know, it, it, you, you get out of, you know, a nice sounding narrative into actually people can see you mean it and you follow through on the actions, which I think is, is also important. Yes, and they always say what gets measured uh, gets, gets changed. So um, that's fantastic having the target. And actually, some achievements 
Andy. Uh, I've mentored a lot of women to go into senior roles and um, it's not very complicated actually, but it seems most organizations can take years, decades to get there. So brilliant. Um, yeah, I think what, what, what you have to do though, Victoria, is and, and this is you know this is true of any any dimension of diversity, including at age, is is you know, if, if you just follow the traditional methods, you're gonna get the same outcome. So so you know, we recently recruited for a, a board position. Uh, and um, the shortlist came through with all males, and, and I, you know, it was it was a nomination committee that you know I'm not a member of it, but board members. But I just sat there and said, this is this is not this is unacceptable. So, Andy, I've got to ask a question. Um, you, you you're clearly doing loads of things outside of your corporate linear career, which is fantastic. We are helping a lot of people who haven't really done that, and it's very hard for them at the next stage of their lives because they don't really have networks outside and they don't have much vision actually of sort of life outside their universe. So I think you will do very well, but I've got to ask it: What do you were you thinking about your own unretirement? And you've, I've got the message loud and clear: You're not ready for that yet. You're making sure everyone knows that's not me. But what might that look like? Have you thought about it for yourself? Yeah, I mean, if I'm honest, I haven't given it a huge amount of thought because I just, I just, um, uh, I, I love what I do, yeah. And so, um, uh, but, but, but I guess if I sort of think about it, so, so our, our boys are 14 and 12, so I can't, I can't see myself stopping, you know, sort of full time, full on work for at least, um, you know, six years till that they're they're done at school. Um, uh, but, but then I, I you know, is still going to have lots of energy and enthusiasm. Uh, I, I'm yeah, very likely to to be. Uh, I will do stuff that is kind of purpose led, if you like. So you know, I, I, I'm passionate about this industry um, uh, and the difference we can make for people's lives. I'm passionate about smaller people as well. So uh, I, I imagine I will do a number of you know purpose led uh, roles, but, uh, but but probably do a a fair chunk of, uh, of, of traveling and uh, a bit more golf. I love my golf and I don't get to play much. <laughs> but all quite a long time away just now. Yeah. Andy, that's great. Um, and it's, it is, it's great to see you again, as I said, yeah. and to hear somebody who's kind of driven, you know, the, your, your passion for the young, for you know, working people, for the industry, it, it comes across incredibly strong. So it's great to see you again. Yeah. Well, great to be here. Thanks, thanks very much Thank indeed for so inviting much. me. Thank you so much, Adi. Your passion, I know, is going to make a difference. Thank you for that. Well, that was great. Um, so many of the things, and, and great with Andy, he put some facts and some substance behind a lot of the yeah. things that we're seeing. And of course, he's in the position to make a difference, really. I've been saying that at the end, but um, the work that he's doing, both with Phoenix and with the government, uh, I think finally, this is this. Everybody's got a wake up call going on about this. I was interesting. The eight percent leave without any uh, any kind of. I think he said preparation or advice. Fine. And of course, I think Andy's talking about financial advice. Yeah. Uh, and then you've got. That's the least of it. Well, I mean, of course, the finances, you've got to get the finances right. But actually, some kind of understanding that this can, this can be some impact at this next stage. And that the more that you can prepare and think about it, the less likely you're going to have. You know, we've seen people with mental health problems at this stage. Um, and actually, that preparation is so important. Yeah. And, and you know, Andy's he's an interesting guy. Um, 
and and we often talk to people about you know finding purpose and, and so to interview someone who yes. <laughs> has a purpose yeah. you know and and is living his life according to it whether it be you know in his day job basically turning a business into a business that believes in something um whether it be his volunteering you know whether it be you know the government role you know it's it is inspiring yeah, when is. somebody kind of stands up and says you know this is wrong you know we've got to change this and i run a business and this is how we're going to change yeah well and it's interesting because you know i had a business before next up for 30 years and it was pr digital we moved into leadership and we always had a sense of purpose you know to do the best for our clients and always make an impact but the difference actually since we've launched next up so my team had come with me from the previous business and the difference in really feeling like there's an issue here that we are making a difference to yeah. is massive. You know, this becomes purpose led in spades now. Everything we do, you can see the issues when we talk to people that they're not in a great place often and how turning around and turning it into seeing people suddenly kind of like butterflies emerging. I mean, it's a fantastic feeling there. Yeah. The um you know we as we said at the beginning this was kind of a bit of an unusual yeah. for us because it wasn't you know, obviously somebody st who's still in work not somebody who'd, who'd stopped working and gone on and done something else but um you know our, our guests have all been different but they've all been very interesting yeah. uh, in different ways yeah absolutely and, uh, you know i'm looking forward to the next one Absolutely. I'm sure the next guest will be just as interesting in a different way. So if you've enjoyed today, do join us in future. Uh, you can subscribe. It's next-up.com for the podcast and for our website. So you can see all sorts of tips if you're thinking about what do I do uh, and you want. What we have got is masses of people sharing their stories. So it's not about us. It's about how other people have shared their experiences and things they might have done differently that might help you for the future. Come and join us in the future. We look forward to seeing you next time.